The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to The Real Money Show. My name is Jeremy Wiseman and a very exciting show today because we have a special guest. We're going to have the full 40, 45 minutes with Paul Wiseman, president of Guildhall Wealth. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, I great. think. No, great. I'm doing fine. Good. Uh, the number, one eight seven seven eight silver The website, guildhallwealth.com. We're going to cover some of the universal aspects of the precious metal market, and then we'll dig in a little deeper. I want to on, talk about diamonds today. And we'll get into kind some diamonds as well. excited because at the end of 29th of August, the JCK show is back in Las Vegas. So we will start to see some... Uh, interesting things happening in the jewelry business and the diamond business, and I'm kind of excited because I'm going to Vegas. It's been a couple of years since I've been, and to be with you know the people in the jewelry business and find out really what's going on. It's been a very quiet time all the way round, yeah. and things look like they're starting to pick up. And I want to talk about that a little bit later on. Well, let's let's start right there now because uh, I I noticed that uh, Fancy Color Research Foundation put out their quarterly report. And uh, they said that uh, Q2 was very good for for diamonds, that it started to pick up as opposed to to Q1. So they started to see things are opening back up in the States and there's a demand for for colored diamonds. They They were pointing out more that a little bit of the larger diamonds, like five carat yellows and whatnot. Obviously, the type of product that we have at Guildhall has always maintained good value. Yeah. Um, what's been happening in the States in the last couple of months, it's picked up a little bit in jewelry. Um, and I call that the Chachka jewelry, which is not expensive jewelry, but chains and pendants and rings uh, that are not investments, but are just impulse items. People have been stuck at home so long that now they want to go out and spend some money. And, you know, people are buying gifts for people. This is the time of the year. Um, but the rough diamond business, that's the roughs before they've cut, before they're touched, um, there is a scarcity right now. And especially in the natural fancy colored diamonds, um, we're expecting some higher increase in prices all the way around. And I think this is the time to get, as, a, as an investment, to get into a hard asset that has never gone down in price since they've been keeping records for over 40 years. Natural fancy colored diamonds of the quality that we sell at Guildhall is something that you should be looking at. Uh, we start off Everything that we sell, for example, in yellows, whether it's a fancy, intense, or vivid, are all internally flawless. That means there is no inclusions. These are the best of the best diamonds. There is literally, if you're looking at a vivid diamond, there's maybe 50, 60 of this type of diamond that comes to market oh, less, every year. Less, for sure. Less than that? Yeah, between one and between one and one and a half carat, you're probably looking combined uh, radiant and cushion cut, it's less than 50. Okay. So what I'm looking at, because there's a shortage of rough, because there's a shortage of finished product, that's goods that are finished, that are made, uh, we're expecting some price increases. Now, what's happening as well is where countries are printing currency, um, you will expect 
what that's doing is eating up. It's confiscating your wealth. So if you've got cash on hand, instead of putting it, leaving it in the bank or leaving it in something that's not getting you any return, to buy a natural fancy color diamond, a vivid or even an intense over a carrot is something that you put away and just sit on it for whether it's 7, 10 years, 15 years. It's something that you can pass on to your family and will always maintain the value of that, that product that you're buying. You know, Paul, that actually leads to a larger question I wanted to, to deal with today and bring it back a little bit to gold and silver as well, which is, you know, we often talk on the show here about gold being a diversifier for your portfolio. Obviously, for your wealth, it's a way to protect wealth. It's a way to protect against the confiscation of wealth. But can it be more, and I include diamonds in this, can it be more than just a, a, a portfolio diversifier? You know, when we look at colored diamonds, we say, this isn't just about your portfolio today or tomorrow, next year or the following year. It's about, it's about a way of producing wealth long term. Well, and, and what I mean by that, let me just think. Let me just um, put it out here in another way as well. When you when you put funds into a diamond, it's not liquid. It's not. Oh, I might need this money. Oh, hold, I, oh holds uh, its value, but is is not something that you can sell instantaneously. That's right. It is. It is literally taking wealth that you've earned and putting it somewhere where you know it's going to be safe for a very very long time. And so that's kind of where I'm thinking that's about your in terms of policy. right. So so can it be more than just a diversifier? Do you, in other words, you're not just holding it just to oh just in case. It's it's for much more than that. Well, if you look at the very very wealthy people, royalty, uh, movie stars, sports personalities, they are buying natural fancy color diamonds, and the reason that they buy them because they look at long term. They're not looking to day trade a diamond. They're not looking to day trade their house. Um, they are looking for an investment that will stand the test of time or will stay, will be liquid. But it's not something, as I said, that you can sell in a day. Gold and silver, you know, you can sell straight away. I mean, we've had a couple of customers this week that needed cash. They sold some product off. You know, we wired them the money within two hours of them saying to us, I want to sell my product. Um, with a natural fancy color diamond, it's going to take a little bit longer because we have to put a buyer together with a seller. And the next, you know, when you're selling a diamond, you've got to give the next person a little bit of a deal for them to make it interesting for them to come into the market. Right, but which again is is not much different than if if you are wealthy and have a real estate portfolio, right? If you have a real estate portfolio. Again, you're doing that as a way to grow wealth, protect wealth, keep wealth, and a place to put, put money. It's not all just either the stock market or nothing. And so if you had a real estate portfolio as an example, hey, if you needed, if you needed funds, okay, maybe you can borrow against, the, you know, borrow against the property, but if you have to liquidate, it's not going to be overnight. Yeah, and I mean, like if you look at right now that we're in inflationary times, um, the U.S. government said last month, I think it was 5.5% inflation. Uh, I think it's closer to 10%. People are saying to me 14 15% inflation. And we'll talk about how inflation affects you later on in the program. But right now, the, one of the best investments for me is gold, silver, and, of course, natural fancy color diamonds. Uh, I think gold and silver is very, very undervalued. And... 
We've had a great run in the stock market. We've had a great run in real estate. We've had a great run in cryptocurrencies. But I've said before when I've been on the show, all fires eventually get put out. And it doesn't matter what what we're looking at, even if it's a forest fire, eventually it gets put out. But hot fires like uh, cannabis have all been put out. And I'm expecting the stock market to do a little bit of re- traction. I'm looking for the housing market definitely to come off with uh, interest rates and uh, tapering coming. Uh, It's going to be a a little bit different type of market. You need to have gold and silver in your portfolio. Uh, I recommend normally around about 15%, whether you go 10%, whether you go 20%. It's an insurance policy. You work hard for your money. You need to insure your wealth. And over the last 15 years, when I'm looking at gold, we're averaging about a 10% increase every year. And we haven't done anything. Silver is so undervalued right now. I think it's a terrific investment. And whether if you don't have, and I'm going to talk about TFSAs and registered accounts, RSPs, but if you don't have a TFSA, we can put gold and silver into your TFSA, a tax-free savings account. It's the best investment you will ever make. And with silver and gold being like a tight, coiled spring waiting to explode, there's not a better time to buy gold and silver than there is right now. Whether you, Even if you want to take it home, uh, have it delivered, put it into a safe, secure, allocated, segregated depository vault, uh, or put it into a registered account. These options are available to you. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. In the next segment, we'll talk about the Fed's balance sheet, what's going on with that, as, as well as it applies to inflation, which we just touched on, but we're going to dive deeper into that as well. Let's talk about some price targets for gold and silver, especially quoting what's ha- what uh, an interview that Michael Oliver did from Momentum Structural Analysis with Wall Street Silver. And then there's the gold midterm mid-year outlook 2021 from the World Gold Council. So much more to come on The Real Money Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number 18778Silver, the website guildhallwealth.com. You know, Paul, recently the Fed had their FOMC meeting and a lot of interesting things surprisingly have happened this week with regard to the Fed. Number one, they're now flip, they're flip-flopping on the, uh, on inflation being transitory. Now they're saying it's back to being transitory. They first said it was, then they said it wasn't. Now they're saying it is again. What, what I think is happening that's more interesting under the, under the surface behind the pages on at the Fed is that they're still continuing to purchase 120 billion a month in bonds. So they're completely propping up the stock market. There was an article out this week from Wall Street on Parade and listen to this. They have just inked to make a standing loan facility of $500 billion for the repo market. Now, very quickly for anyone that wants to understand that, what that means is that there's institutions that need short-term cash. And so what they do is they put up some collateral and they get the loan. In this case, it's going to be from the Fed, 
But in a typical scenario, and that's it, that's why it's re, uh, repo, it's a repurchasing of the original price the next day. But usually, the person lending the money gets an interest, right, Paul? Very simple. If you're going to lend money, I hope you want some interest back. Supposed to. That's not how this is going to work. The Fed is going to just post up five hundred billion for anyone who needs needs cash overnight alone at less than the posted interest. So they're going to pay you to do it. Makes a lot of sense. It it's just another another way that the Fed is propping up the market. Now here's my question to you, Paul. The Fed balance sheet is now officially over eight trillion dollars. Eight point two four trillion dollars on the Fed balance sheet to be exact. Now when the financial system collapsed back in 2008, the Fed took it from under 1 trillion to a whopping 2.1 trillion. This is four times as much. This is four times as much. How long can the Fed continue to prop up the market? I got no idea. I mean, there's more head fakes from Powell than there is in a hockey game. I mean, he flip-flops so much. It's, he's from one side to another. The thing that I'm really, really nervous about right now is Biden announced that Saturday is the last day of the eviction moratorium in the states on mortgages, and uh, they're expecting an avalanche, an avalanche of repossessions and evictions. And you have to remember, when you sneeze in the United States, we catch a cold in Canada. And, you know, there is so many people that are underwater in the States where they haven't paid their mortgage, they've been living off of... Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people still getting loans from the government. Well, yeah, Where they, they, can't, they can't tell what the, what the employment situation really is because there's still people getting a ton of money from the government with job openings but who wants to go work for a living when you're you can sit at home and make more money yeah this is the norm i mean whether they're sitting at home smoking dope drinking getting paid for doing it um you know i don't think there is a benefit in the long run for people working at home and i Personally, I think these are the people that are working at home could be a target down the road when things really, really tighten up and interest rates go up and companies are looking to cut back on expenses. The first people to get it are going to be the people that are working at home. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I actually I totally agree with you. I saw an article this week talking about the the, almost the negative impact on the economy of people working at home. It's one thing to cut expenses. Hey, work at home. You don't have to drive. We don't have to spend the space in the office. But then you start to say, okay, well, wait a minute. This person is now, and you can see it, they're not going to Starbucks in the morning, right? So you see Starbucks closing because all, all over of the Starbucks place. Places. Not that I'm saying I'm super pro Starbucks. I'm just yeah. saying, look, they're not going to grab their morning coffee. They're not going out for lunch. They're not filling up a, a gas tank. They're not paying for parking. The The company isn't paying for the space. Some people like not, not, not having the social aspect. They feel like, oh, I can just work. I can just focus on my work. And maybe it's specific. Maybe we're still working through who can work from home, who can't, who. It's nice to have the setup where, okay, maybe a couple times a week you stay at home to, you know, because of the family or whatever. But ultimately, yes, there's cost benefits. But then you say, but that has a real impact on the economy, that you're not buying coffee. Well, Speaking of coffee, you have something you wanted to mention about yeah, coffee. <laughs> it's, 
just that um, get ready to pay more for coffee, beer, bread, snacks. It's coming. I mean, the supermarkets... What, what article is that from? Uh, this was actually on Bloomberg okay. today. But what happens is the grocery stores or the chains, they just put pr- pressure on their suppliers. They try to keep the prices. What does it mean? So they sell less bags of potato chips, um, but it would be at a higher price. They are not going to suffer. The public is going to suffer. And if you don't have the money, you can't buy the goods. And this is happening, and it's happening virtually in every field. I mean, it's happened in the lumber business. It's become so expensive to buy lumber, copper, to build homes. All these things are going to have an impact. You have to look at what you're going to do with your funds, your capital, and how you're going to protect it. If countries, governments keep you know, printing money like crazy, like there's no tomorrow. If you had a printing press in your backyard, you'd go to jail. These people keep on printing, and there doesn't seem to be any response to say, let's cut back, let's, we can't do this, we have to cut, you know, costs and different things, and they just don't do it. Well, maybe, maybe there is a signal here because the IPO of Robinhood this past week was basically an abysmal failure. And maybe that says it all, the fact that people are saying, well, we don't believe that this company can do very well because uh, people aren't doing the investing as much. Well, you know, potentially the, the people that, you know, grabbed onto some different stocks and ran it up. As I said, all fires get put out. And I, I'm looking at gold and silver, um, the investment side of it uh, in the last, you know, push of the last eight years, we really haven't seen gold and silver do incredibly well, but stock markets have done well because interest rates have been virtually zero. Real estate has done well because you can buy a home and the interest rates are virtually very, very low. But what happens when we've got inflation right now of whether it's 5%, 10%, 15%, whatever figure you want to come up with, eventually it has to hit the consumer. I totally agree. I think that we're starting to see the headlines on inflation, and uh, we'll, make, we'll make that connection and connect the dots between the Fed and inflation because ultimately – I think people are seeing this. They're seeing the result of the Fed printing all of this money. Again, I just want to come back to that question very quickly. How long, Paul, do you think the Fed is going to prop prop this up? I mean, if we look at what happened in 2008, it seems like they were really caught off guard. Now they're willing to use every tool at their availability, except that the only tool they seem to have is literally printing, printing, printing. You know, uh, Jim Rickards, who who has done currency wars, he's written tons of books. He talks about the idea that this Fed balance sheet, that there is an invisible line at which point people completely stop giving the Fed credibility. So maybe let's reframe the question and say, how 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 much money do you think the Fed can put on their balance sheet before people completely lose it and say this I am no longer going to listen to FOMC meetings. I'm no longer going to tune in to CNBC. These guys are a joke. I ha- I'm out for myself. But it's like the druggy, druggy, was it druggy? Yeah, Mario Draghi. He said, whatever it takes. 
I mean, that was his mandate, just print, 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 until we so, can print ourselves out. So, of what, what does whatever it takes mean? Until we can turn it into a, until we can turn it into a central bank uh, cryptocurrency. So now we know exactly where you spend every single dime, and we can turn it off if we want. Yeah, but does it make a difference if they owe eight point two trillion, or twenty trillion, or fifty trillion? If they're never ever going to pay it, it's real simple. I mean, how can any of this debt, whether it's the U.S. debt? The Canadian debt, the European debt, how can it ever be paid back? It can't. It's past the point of, of debt to GDP. It, I, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but I would imagine 80-plus percent of the countries out there are every, over 100% debt to GDP. So you the, can't grow yourself out of every it. Every one of these countries do not manufacture anything. They don't make widgets that they sell to someone. All they do is collect taxes and abuse the amount of taxes they collect and give the money away to buy votes to get back in to, to their yeah, positions. And, and not only that, but now, now there's journalists out there who are starting to realize that as far as the asymmetric war goes with China, they've got us over the barrel now. Because what did we learn during COVID? Oh, my gosh, we don't, we don't manufacture anything. We can't even produce our own... Our, our own pharmaceuticals. We don't even produce our own masks. We're completely dependent on China. And then the question becomes, what if China says, uh, there's, no a shipping, there's a shipping issue. We're not shipping this part, right? Like I saw, for example, uh, we'll get into this later, but I saw uh, Whirlpool is expecting much, much higher. They're going to raise their prices. Well, what if Whirlpool is dependent on a, a particular part from China and China says, sorry, we're not shipping it. Well, we, we've seen you're, you're screwed. But we've Absolutely seen, screwed. But we've seen this with chips, right? I there's mean, a shortage. There's a shortage of chips, car, second-hand cars, which is part of how you c come up with inflation is used cars. Yeah, is, I, gotta, I have to tell you a quick story. through the roof. Yeah, I got to tell you a quick story. I was uh, talking to a gentleman. He was giving me this anecdote where he was saying he, 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 got a, he bought a truck and uh, the company was failing to deliver the truck. I think it was a brand new one, right? And they said, uh, sorry, we, sorry for the delay. We're, it's basically we're just waiting on a chip. And he said, you know, you got a parking lot full of cars. <laughs> that isn't the one that I've bought from you. Give me one of those chips. Take the chip out of the car, out of the truck over there, parked over there that you haven't sold, and give it to me so I can drive my car off the lot that I paid you for. That's too easy. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's too easy to have people think on their feet, I guess. Yeah, that's too easy. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe, the know, chip, maybe it's a, a chip, speci uh, chip specific for, for the, the year of the car. Who knows? Yeah, but if you look at a Ford 150 truck and it's, you know, they're sitting in the parking lot, you know, waiting to be sold, how hard is it to pull the chip? Exactly. You know, speaking of this, let me get your thoughts because we have uh, just a, a few moments left on, for this segment. What's your take on on green, on, on the whole? It's a nice color. Let's. <laughs> I was stand, I was behind. I was behind somebody the other day, uh, an elderly woman, and the lights turned green, and she didn't go. So I find, and she finally did go, and I called up with her, and I said, "Were you waiting for any specific color green?" Right. And she no, looked but, at me like I was crazy, which most people do anyway. Right. Curb, uh, another another Paul Wiseman curb your enthusiasm moment. Um, no, but what do you think about, you know, getting to zero emissions and the green economy? Do you think this is something that we can get to without crazy inflation? Because it, it doesn't just you don't just snap your fingers and everyone's got uh, everyone's got a Tesla and you can, 
you know, where where do you get the energy to plug these cars in and stuff like that? I, how do you how do you see the infrastructure going? We have about one minute left. How do you see the infrastructure? Is that something that's going to magically appear? Is it going to cost? Is it is it a pipe dream? What do you think? Well, if you go to the states and look at their infrastructure, and I'm talking about their roads, their bridges, their tunnels, everything's falling apart. Their airports, you know, are like third world countries. You've been to Hong Kong with me. Um, what the airports look like and what type of service they give you. They haven't even put a spade in the ground with all they're talking about in the States is how they're going to do this and how they're going to do that and they're going to infrastructure this. and inf- It never happens. It's talk. Oh, it's I think to, it's a big scam, that, it's that to get, infrastructure it's bill. To, yeah, but it's to get elected. And, you know, if there was infrastructure, there would be, you know, r- more roads, more concrete, more tarmac, more everything steel that is needed to build bridges. It would only do great for the economy, but that's too easy. Right. It's better to think ahead. Well, we what can we do? What can we Toronto? do twenty years in the future? I mean, you know, I mean, I really, I live in the suburbs. I really hate going. You live downtown, Jeremy. I hate going downtown. I don't understand how they put in so much bike lanes that there is no revenue from a bike lane. No, I think they want to get the revenue from, from the accidents that are happening. Well, you have to be really careful. But there's really no revenue careful. from a bike lane. You can't park your car, so you can't go into a store. I mean, there's yeah. so many things that are wrong, yet the politicians, they get the votes from people that want bicycles. There's no revenue from a bicycle. There's no taxes. There's nothing that comes in. Yeah. And look how much it costs to do. And and there's also the idea that there's a lot more cars on the road because of Uber and all of those type of things, right? So, you know, politicians are not business people. So it's as simple as that. No, and 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 governments don't make money. They can only take in taxes, which is why last week on the show we were talking about the fact that the Bank of Canada it has an has the Bank of Canada Act where they won't give to the government more than one third of the taxes that they take in, but they already and they're have doing gone over they're that. doing th- th- three times that. Well, how do they get away with that? Because because people people don't stand up to it, and that's why I think ultimately one of the, the biggest strengths of gold is that there's no counterparty risk. You get yourself out of the out of the financial system. It's one of the reasons why a lot of financial institutions hate gold because it once you buy gold and take it away. What are they going to do? They can't. They can't tap the resource, which is you being a creditor to the bank. Yeah, you also can't just press. You also can't press a button and transfer it, digitize it, uh, unless you're buying paper gold or paper silver. And we tell people, you know, at Guildhall, we don't sell paper. No. You know, we sell physical product. We're not into ETFs. We're not in certificates. We're not into the stocks. You know, we're not into futures, options on futures. It's the physical product that you can actually touch and feel. And if you want to get into the market and have physical precious metals directly owned by you, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. We'll talk more about the Fed, more about inflation, more about how you're going to benefit from the coming boom in the gold and silver market and exactly what kind of price targets we could be looking at. It's The Real Money Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. I'm here with Paul Wiseman. 
president of Guildhall Wealth. I am just the lowly vice president, nepotism at its best. But hey, listen, I'm I'm no degenerate like Hunter Biden. Have you caught any of that laptop stuff, by the way? I I try not to read or listen to all this BS. I mean, I try. The, a little knowledge is dangerous, and the more stuff that comes out and different things, it just blows your mind. Yeah. Um, it is mind blowing, and you know what it what it kind of shows you is that people, you know, we talked about the Fed. How long can they keep going? It's obvious. We're ta- you can start to see inflation. We're just about to go into inflation, but the answer, the real kind of where this is all going, is you can't just trust what you're seeing. People people now know that there's inflation. Why? Because they go to the gas pump, they go to the grocery well, they store, feel it. they they feel it. Their insurance policy prices go up. Everything's going up, and and we'll tell you even more companies saying it's on the way, and that's not even including the logistics issues that are going around, and that that affects the physical gold market and silver market specifically. But where this kind of comes down to for me is that. You know, and we talked about this at the top of the show, this idea that gold is more than just a diversifier for your wealth. There's something about, you know, uh, Salente, who we've had on the show, Gerald Salente from the Trends Journal, talks about gold, guns, and a getaway plan. Gold, you know, gold and use. That, that you can't just have all your wealth in a bank because there's counterparty risk. And what happens if that bank has issues? What happens if the currency has issues? If you're in the stock market and it's all positively correlated to the dollar and the dollar's tanking behind, you know, whether you see it or not, you see it in inflation, you have to figure out a way to get out of all of this. And that's why there's something, there's something uh, just great about being able to have the freedom of gold ownership where no one else can touch it. Well, I've been speaking like last week and this week, we've had so many clients and I've been speaking to people that have sold property because they think they've got a terrific price for what they paid and what they've sold it for. <clears throat> they're either going into a, you know, a rental property or they're kicking out one of their tenants and moving back into one of their, their homes. But they're liquidating, they're taking the cash, and they're buying physical gold and silver, um, whether they're you know, putting it into the vault with us, to the depository, or they're even taking it home. But there has been so many people that are literally – selling property, taking the profit off the table. They, they've they got the cash and they don't want the cash because they understand the more you print, the more that cash dis- disappears. The buying power of that cash disappears. So, you know, if you look at inflation in countries, whether it was v- Venezuela or you know, yeah, Germany you know, I, in 1939, you've got to spend your paycheck because the next day that paycheck doesn't buy as much as it did the week before. Well, and I think ultimately, you know, you don't want to be this pessimistic, but at some point you have to say, like, I always think that people who are pessimistic like to use the excuse, no, 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 I'm just being a realist, right? <laughs> but but at this point, you kind of have to sit there and say, well, wait a minute. You already know your central banks aren't being responsible. When the Fed is already past $8 trillion that they're pouring into the market just to keep the market propped up and make the banks happy or stop them from falling, right? Well, Bullard's or, already or, said he's uh, with the Fed. Who? Bullard. Yeah. And he just said they're going to start tapering. And it, it's going to take up to maybe March of 2022, but they're going to start pulling it in. They realize they've got to do something. Well, the the only difficulty with that is that the, the minute 
the minute the disaster happens, the Fed's going to try to take even more control. And what's interesting about the whole financial system like the Fed or, or the current administration is they're not asking any permission anymore. They're just taking. But they've all got the same excuse. When the, all the economies and everything crashes, they're just going to blame it on COVID. It's yeah. simple. It's a simple answer. It doesn't matter what you spend, how much I borrow, how much I do, whatever yeah. it is. It's, it's like blame it on COVID. No, you're going to – no, but, uh, even better. You're going to turn on CNBC. Uh, the Dow Jones has dropped how many points. Uh, it's down 20%. They're going to say this is because of the unvaxxed people. Yeah, they're going to blame the unvaxxed. I think, you know, you you were mentioning property, and I uh, people are getting out of the property, getting out of the real estate market, and it's either they're using their spidey senses, or they've been around long enough, or maybe it's just the idea that hey, this thing has gone up uh, long enough, and I've made some great money. We talked about uh, a couple weeks on the show, a couple weeks ago, this uh, article from from Better Dwelling, and the title was Global Property Bubble to Correct, and Canada is the second riskiest, from according to Oxford Economics. So so it's definitely important to make sure that if you are in the real estate market, that you're hedged in some way, whether it's insurance, whether it's having some gold as an insurance policy. That's personally how I insure my mortgage as well. You've got your, insur- your mortgage insurance, but what happens if the bank starts recalling? Like well, uh, they, they, they well, did Wells, that. Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo did it. Um, you know, as interest rates go up and property values, which eventually will come off, the banks look at you know what equity they have, what equity the customer have. It's great that you've got a line of credit against your house. It's an ATM machine. You know, it's pretty low. Most people do, but Wells Fargo they started pulling that in and maybe when that if that if that were to start happening the big unwind right the that the everything bubble starts to burst first slowly and then all at once that people are going to be sitting there saying well you've printed all this money why can't you just print more money and lend it to me for a little while the little guy and let's be fair the government not let's be fair let's be real the government's not going to bail you out on this when you know as a businessman and small businessman, and I mean, you know, we've been in business since 2002. Um, to start up a business today, you know, to go into a bank and try to get a bank loan, you've got to give up your firstborn uh, just as a, you know, some type of security. That's give, the collateral. Uh, yeah, it, it's like it's 10 for one or 20 for one. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the banks are not that crazy about lending money. We got to get to this inflation. We're going to get to that coming up right in the next segment. We're going to show you some real hard figures on inflation. What companies are saying, without a doubt, they are going to raise their prices. The Fed is propping up these markets. And what are the price targets for gold and silver? I'll give you a hint. It's for silver. It is not stopping at $50. And for gold, you think we're worried about trying to get back to $1,900 or $2,000 gold? Well, when you hear these numbers, it's going to blow your mind. But just remember, these numbers coming out of central banks are absolutely, absolutely mind-blowing. So we have to be prepared. We want to be, it's better to be a month early than a day late. This is the perfect time to be getting into the market, in my opinion, as someone who's been in the market for a decade plus, 15 years, is you want these quiet moments. You want when the waters are calm to get into the market. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. It's The Real Money Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com. Paul, listen to these inflation indicators. So uh, I saw CB... Uh, CNBC was talking about that there's an inflation indicator up 3.5% year over year, the fastest gain since 1991. There was a strange headline from CBC saying inflation rates dip to a whole 3.1%. None of these have anything close to, to, the, to the central bank targets of 2%. These are already running much hotter. Uh, Financial Post, Bank of Canada remains firmly committed to keeping inflation under control. How? You're already past your 2% target. You're, you're already not keeping control of it. And this kind of goes back to what we were saying in the last segment, this idea that eventually these central bankers, these planners, they're not, they are going to lose control and they are just going to let it ride and say, okay, it's all over. We have no other choice. We're going to start raising rates just at the time where inflation's really getting crazy. Now listen to this. Uh, another one, New York Post uh, put out an article saying price inflation is about to hit the toy market. So toy manufacturers are saying, guess what? By the time you go to buy toys for Christmas, you're going to be paying a lot more. Now, this is the kicker. And then I'd like to get your, your thoughts on all this. Fox Business, inflation check. These companies are raising their prices. I thought it was funny. The first one they came out with was Chipotle. I was like, really? <laughs> this This is not going anywhere good. Then they said General Mills. Think of all of the all of the the, the products, the products that they have. Harley Davidson, Hasbro. We talked about the toys. Procter and Gamble. So when you go to buy your Tide and your Bounce and all of these things, their prices are going up. Whirlpool, and it just keeps going on. It's going to get tougher and tougher. And the question becomes: Are you making more money? Is your advisor getting you past six percent returns? Now, we've seen, Paul, that in the gold market, gold has averaged 11% a year for the last 20 years. Even last year alone, gold went up 22%. And there are certain people out there who definitely believe that this market could just explode higher the way it did last year, where it went up really far, really fast in, in less than a few months. I had a customer that sold some product off this week, and they bought silver at $16, but the Canadian dollar was par when they made the purchase, and they sold at 25 US, which is around about 29 and change, $30, close to $30, so it's almost 100% in whatever return. And we haven't had a run-up in silver. We haven't had a run-up in gold. If you look at every single market, I don't care whether it's the stock market, whether it's real estate, whether it's crypto, everything has been on fire except gold and silver. And you wonder why, I mean, that's a question we get asked all the time. Why hasn't gold and silver gone up, you know, when everything else has gone up? Yeah, well, I think on the one hand, you have to look, okay, let's look at gold. Gold, the last time it had a negative down year was, was 2013. And before that, you'd have to go all the way back to 2002. So let's be clear on the consistency of gold. Number number two, gold went up 13% in 2019 and 22% in 2020. So when we say, oh, it's not doing anything, 
well, what's your timeline? Because well, it, it's it, definitely it's definitely produced. It's, now, on the silver side, silver went up something like 40% last year. And so that big move from 18 to 30, but we settled in into the range of 25 to 28 kind of thing, 24 to 28. It um, doesn't matter if you bought it below 20 and you're now trading in a range between 24 and 28, you're doing quite well. The question is, Is okay, what does the platform look like for the next launch? Well, personally, I mean, I think by the end of the year, we could see silver trading maybe $33, $35 an ounce. And I think I'm, uh, at that rate, I think I'm pretty conservative. I think gold, uh, you know, though we're in the $1,800 range now, could easily be in the $2,500 range. Uh, I'm talking to experts, literally experts that have been in this business millenniums and they think this could be you know 3000 3500 could be whatever it is it depends who takes their finger off the button uh, or and if they, they don't have take control. the finger off the button the people the the bullion banks that are trading in precious metals in gold and silver they sell they buy paper they push the price of paper down when they get the chance to do it, because if you've only got a small amount security on that purchase of 5,000 ounces of silver, you've put up a deposit, you haven't put up the whole thing, They what they do is they push the price down and you get an equity call, collateral call, and if you can't meet it, you lose your product or and, you lose the contract. And that's the importance of and owning th- physical. And physical, they can never take it away from you. The worst thing that can happen, it can lose a little bit of value, but it can't be snatched away. And then what happens with the bullion banks, when the price is pushed down, they start buying physical product and taking delivery out of the comics of that physical product. So eventually, when they decide fiat currency is not doing too well, the price of bullion will go way, way, way up. And I think I'm expecting by the end of the year, prices to move up rapidly and next year i think it could be a record year yeah and and you know the world gold council said that that they've continued to see on the whole central banks continue to acquire accumulate there's been a couple who have sold but overall it's net buyers in the market now there was an interview with michael oliver he's from momentum structural analysis and he's been in the markets for 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 a very long time he really understands the gold and silver market and he did an interview with wall street silver and essentially, his targets for gold and silver, gold, $8,000 an ounce, silver, $200 an ounce. And what one timeline? Of, uh, within the next couple of years um, and within the next few years, he thinks that one of the things that is very – you have to keep your eye on is that this market does have blow-off tops. This market doesn't end where the market goes sideways for, for six months. That's not how these markets end, right? So if you think that this is the top – you're sadly mistaken. These markets end the way they did in 2000, uh, sorry, in 1980, right? With a big blow off top in 2011, where we had a blow off top, um, that you have to see a massive, massive gain in the market. And we're nowhere close to that. And to what you said earlier, Paul, about the, the paper markets, the Basel III rules are having a, an effect on the market because they have to get to allocated gold, which means that these gyrations in the market are becoming less and less. You're, you're going to see less extreme volatility. Sure, there might be still some trying to push the button, but you're seeing less and less of it. We're in the consolidated period, and this market could really run, run much, much higher. These are incredible numbers. I can't wait to see $200 silver. Go to our website, 
Guildhall Precious Metals. If you want to buy some product, take it home. If you want to buy some product, have it vaulted for you in a safe, secure, allocated uh, vault, give us a call. If you want to buy an RSP, a TFSA, a Lira Lift, we partner with Questrade. It's a wonderful, wonderful investment, especially a TFSA. It's a tax-free savings account. The website, guildhallwealth.com, time to profit and have prosperity in these times where we're seeing massive, massive inflation. Again, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. Paul, thank you so much for joining us this week and can't wait to speak to you all next week here on The Real Money Show on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.